Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. Happy Wednesday hump day. Another Wednesday, another hump day in the books. The weeks are coming and they can't stop coming. They can't, they, they literally cannot stop. No, we are always here on the Tuesday afternoon. Actually, you know what? It's been so nice. I'm not even going to like pretend. Like I really enjoy the weekly. the weekly. There's so much to talk about. We have so much to talk about today. We have such long episodes. We've had so we don't have a guest today, but we hope you guys have enjoyed our last two guests. We have certainly enjoyed. We have certainly enjoyed, but today it's all us all the time. All the time. And you know, it feels good to like when we're in normal daily toast, it's like something will happen and like on the spot, I think, okay, what am I going to say tomorrow about this story? But to have time to like kind of gather to, my thoughts to and live sit with on this it. story, like see how it affects me, yep. see how I feel about it tomorrow. I totally agree. I mean, pretty much I feel the same, but it is nice to not have to jump to a conclusion. And it's nice to not have to come up. Sometimes I don't know how I feel about certain subjects to, to, to give myself some time to really marinate and think, you know, what do I think about this pregnancy or this breakup? It's been very good for my journalistic styles. What did I I think about the VMAs. Right, and I do have some thoughts. We have a great show for you guys today, obviously. All the usual stuff. We have so much news. So much news. We have all of your Housewives recaps. A lot of seasons are coming to an end. We're coming up on reunion season. We also have Dear Toasters, which is, of course, our advice segment. So while there is no guest today, there is tons for you to enjoy. It's just good old-fashioned toast, you know? G-O-T. G-O-F-T. Good old-fashioned toast. Good old-fashioned toast. That'll be today's episode name. Good old, hopefully it's good old-fashioned toast. Because we always say we have a great show for you, but the show hasn't been done. Right, so, so how do we know? <laughs> we just have high hopes for ourselves. We're just a bunch of liars. Bunch of liars. But uh, before we get into everything, just, you know, inner peace check-in mm-hmm. with you. How are we doing? We are on week three of vacation, and you guys, it's... Every day is better than the last. Every day is better than the last. And my journey to inner peace, you know, last week I, I reported back some some hurdles in my journey. It came which is, to a grinding halt. By the way, and that's just a part of the journey to inner peace. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily mad. I knew it was like one step in getting me to where I needed to be. And I feel as though this week was pretty much uninterrupted. Um inner peace it rained a lot here so i really enjoy the rain that does bring peace because then like nobody's going out like for hikes and it's like we're all stuck in the house together and i don't have to be pressured into going on a hike mm-hmm. and that's why i love it and then i also spent this week rewatching the twilight series all five movies which always without fail brings me such inner peace like yeah. such not even inner peace but like inner joy and really brings out the inner child in me mm-hmm. and i feel as though if you're on your journey looking for some inner peace head over to the twilight movies it's really a fabulous place to start we said that at the beginning of quarantine but you know we've cycled back like through a new era what are we on like month seven so it's time to re-up uh-huh. your your twilight stanhood yeah. oh, oh my god mine has been re-upped so hard i actually have a bonus story for you today that is twilight adjacent, adjacent. 
and it's so it's so smoldering this story anytime and i don't think like unless you happen to stumble upon it you will have no clue what it is anytime like twilight related info or people are in the news it brings me such joy and i could talk about twilight literally for forever but what i find most interesting about twilight is like obviously robin kristen were like the biggest stars and they they still are like some of the biggest movie stars in the world robert pattinson is playing batman which i've literally never been so excited to watch a batman movie in my life like i will be at the theater if they're open on you know the thursday night at midnight mm-hmm. um but there's so many other characters in in the movies that i love equally as much as the main characters like i loved killen lutz i loved ashley green i love nikki reed and it's like they all became such big stars and then like literally fell off the face of the earth yeah i mean that's what it's like to be a teen idol yeah you know yeah. And everyone has their season. It is sad to watch and be like, what is this person up to now? Like, they're probably doing FabFitFun on Instagram. What do you think Peter Facinelli's up to? Because well, that, he is the. Wait, that's so crazy. I know. Because that's the bonus story. Oh my God, it's, it is? It's about Peter Facinelli. Peter Facinelli plays Carlisle, the Cullen dad, and he's not. Dr. Carlisle. Not Cullen. only is he a doctor, he's so handsome, so empathetic, has has more empathy than even a mortal, you know? Yes. And, and his a, last name is Facinelli. Facinelli, and according to Forbes, Dr. Carlisle Cullen, at the time that this article was written, is the wealthiest fictional character of all time, worth about $30 billion, based on investments he made using Ashley Green's ability to see the future. That's insider trading. Yeah, I mean, love to see it. Love to see it. (laughs) That's like my favorite... um, like, trivia fact that you know is that, like, Carlisle is the wealthiest fictional character out there? Yes, but then it just, like, I get sort of bogged down because when Bella went to Italy to the Volturi to stop Edward from sparkling in the sun, Mm -hmm. she flew commercial. And I feel as though we know that Carlisle has the funds for a plane, and I feel as though she should have been flying private. So there are a few, very few inconsistencies in the franchise that after watching it so many times, like I have pointed out, that's one of them. Mm -hmm. But see, then when they go to Brazil for the honeymoon. Uh, the honeymoon and then they have to come back early because spoiler alert bella gets pregnant um they fly back they fly back private yes, yes they do because by then they've worked out the that, deal that they're rolling in the yeah. dough another inconsistency is that jasper in the first movie has uh, a gift he's like he can change your mood and then they like never talk about it again and bella is susceptible yeah. to all the power she's like edward can't read her no, mind not susceptible sorry not susceptible she's a, a shield. shield so it's like bella can't get her mind read by Edward. The Volturi can't take her hand. But somehow, like, Jasper's gift works on her. In that one scene. Yeah, in the high school halls. Like, it was one second. Yeah. I'm sure if you read the books, which I'm really, like, I'm really close to starting the Twilight books. Because I'm sure there's so much information in there that just is skated right by in mm-hmm. the movie. Because it's hard to, you know, get everything in there and so much history. So I really might read the books. And I really might read Midnight Sun, which is the new book. Well, so that is the other thing worth talking about. Is when I watch the movies, the one kind of gripe I have is that there's not enough Edward. Like, I know that Bella is the star, but Edward is everything like just his mannerisms and his clothing like i just need more edward more edward and i feel like we don't even get enough of him because it's really the story from bella's perspective right the books are written from her perspective so midnight sun is the same story but written from edward's perspective and i would like a midnight sun movie like i need you might more get one. edward you might get one midnight sun has been on the top of like every list i think i'm gonna read it but i just don't know if i should read twilight first like it might be such a gift to myself to read twilight i think you should because it's like you want more twilight read it yeah no i completely agree you should and then it. i'll have a better understanding of like maybe some of the stocks that Carlisle invested in you know like 100% so I'm really thinking about it that was your Twilight recap but also every time I watch a movie it just makes me think about our 
hypothesis that has been proven to be true that great movies are mm-hmm. made greater when the couple is in love on right. set. And I think about a lot of the movies that are very similar to Twilight that don't have that same it factor because of those reasons. 100%. And one that really comes to mind is Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Because in, like, the tabloids and stuff, like Dakota Johnson and Jamie, Jamie Dornan, like, fucking hate each other. Oh. Um, there's, like, really no chemistry. I only watched the first movie, and it's just, like, it's not a great love story because they're not in love. Yeah, and I, I guess it's an unrealistic standard to set that, like, every love story yeah. you watch, like, the, the people have to be in love. But, like, if you were in want, Hollywood... If you want your movie to have that X factor... And that cult following. It's, like, the Fifty Shades book had the similar following to Twilight. Like, online, such a big audience. Like, the, the writer became a star. Like, it was the same type of thing, and the movies didn't translate the same because there was no love. Yeah, and I think not only does it come off the screen, but when you're watching the movie, knowing that the two people are in love, you believe it even more. So even if the acting would be the same regardless, it's like something about the audience in their brain knowing... They can believe it. ...that they're watching two people in love. It's just like The Notebook. It just yeah. hits different when yeah. they're in love. And I, I'm sure Fifty Shades of Grey does well, even though I find like it's just annoying it's not I find my franchise. The franchise to be so annoying it ain't my franchise um and knowing that they don't even like each other like i just don't see any chemistry when i watch the first movie so i didn't watch the others also a movie that it, series that is so so good like incredible but just missing that x factor of love believability mm-hmm. and i hate to say it say it hunger games oh yeah because maybe if if jennifer lawrence ends up with liam hemsworth i would believe it in the end but jennifer lawrence ending up with the little one? By the way, I don't even remember that she that's who ends she ends up, up with. with Pete. Is it Peta? Yeah. Okay, Peta. Pita. Chip, yeah. No, I just can't. I, I always think Gail is Peta and Peta's Gail. No, no. Gail is Liam. Liam. Peta is Josh Hutcherson. I just didn't believe uh, any of it. And they had me until the last movie, the last five minutes, and I would have believed pretty much anything. But to believe that that was how it ended, like Jennifer Lawrence and Peta were not in love. No, by the way, I completely agree with you. And there are so few franchises that I can point to that had that X Factor. High School Musical. High School Musical. Twilight. There there aren't that many. And I feel like when... Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes! Good one. That's not a franchise, but yeah. No, but movies. Movies. Notebook. I've been watching like bonus features and like all these behind the scenes interviews, like just because like when you're done with the series of Twilight, like you need more. Yeah, and, it's an addiction. And we watched Kristen Stewart on um, Howard Stern, and he was like a Twilight stan. He like obviously loved the he, movies. He knows quality content when he sees it. Every time I watch something new on Howard Stern, like I'm even more like in love with Firm him. Firm in your standhood. Yeah. So what she said was really interesting was that first of all, like they were very much in love. It wasn't like a PR stunt. And actually, on the flip side, like the directors and, like, the people in the industry were actually really worried that they had, like, fallen in love so hard so fast on the first movie because it can end badly and then it can affect the franchise. And I find it so interesting that, like, these big wigs don't like when their stars date because they don't know that it's actually the key to a perfect movie. Yeah, but, like, if they break up in the middle of the franchise, but still the people know that there was love there. So even if they're broken up, it's like I'm still watching two people have who have real love and affection yeah. for each other. And I can... I can reconcile oh, that. Okay, ready? I have another one. The Kissing Booth. I was just thinking about that. And that's that. the perfect example. The first movie, although if you watch it like through a normal lens, like it's a terrible movie, but if you watch it knowing like that they're in love and it's actually like a cute movie, you could suspend disbelief because some of it is like so not believable. It is actually a really good movie, the first one, and their love makes it so much better because you can't believe that like these two people so randomly met on a set and fell in love and like it's actually so cute. The second movie, which still had that like cringy non-believability that the first one had, but it didn't have the love connection, is why it's a piece of shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, we talked about that, and they should have just, like, not done a second movie to protect the integrity of the first. 100%. And I will also say, I think that the Descendants franchise <laughs> suffered because we know that Dove Cameron in real life was dating, like, a, a supporting actor. Yep. And it's like, she's pretending to be in love with King Ben when it's like, you guys don't even hang out off set. She's in love with the pirate over there. Yeah, oh, wait, I have another one. Okay. Riverdale. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had Jughead. We had Jughead and Betty. And They're that- really good about that. And also when they gave us Cammy and Melton. Mm-hmm. They they capitalized on it. Yeah, they got them together in the show while they were together, and they broke up when they broke up. Like I'm so fucking here for that. No, that is called like being flexible. Oh, also what the last song? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. This is actually a fun game. This is a fun game because you're right. These movies that like I have really cemented like in my childhood and my adolescence, the ones that stuck around are always the ones the that- the ones that hit different. Mm-hmm. They just hit different. Like you watch, you're watching that inexplicable magical feeling Mm -hmm. of love you can't put your finger on it hunger games is an amazing franchise but the love didn't fall off the screen and into my lap and into my heart no but it certainly did in the twilight series so if you're on your journey to inner peace i highly recommend checking out the twilight series no matter how many times you've seen it you could watch it it's like there's so much things you might have missed you know things you might have missed you know what i missed something huge and i've seen it so many times spoiler alert when bella gives birth and dies and then she, like, they put the venom in her, and over, it takes a long time, so overnight she becomes a vampire when, like, she, we are presuming that she's dead. Yeah. I didn't realize that the Cullens actually knew that she wasn't dead and she was going to come back to life. Like, they didn't, she didn't surprise them and be yeah. like, oh, I'm a vampire, I'm alive. But I thought the whole time that, like, everyone thought she was dead. Me too. But it turns out they knew that she was going to seem dead for a while because of all the morphine mm-hmm. from the birth. Right. So, just yet another thing I might have missed. Yeah. No, so interesting. There's so much there. There's so much there. I could literally start a Twilight <laughs> podcast. Like, Yeah, maybe you should read the books and start. Oh my God, you could join the Redheads. Should we do that for the next Redheads? Actually, you guys, new episode of the Redheads drops tomorrow. Wow. We are recapping Bright Side. It was a very lively conversation, and I'm choosing the next book. I try, And I'm really excited about everything that's coming up for the Redheads. Like, it's just a great time to be a redhead it always is it always is that's the thing about being a redhead it's like always, there's never a bad time there's never a bad time to join there's never a time, bad time to be one we're always there for you we're always reading i've been reading so much now um lauren elizabeth and a million other people but i was texting her and she recommended a book to me and so i took that to heart but she recommended um the perfect couple by ellen hildebrand who's like a romance author who's written like 25 books and so now i've like fallen into ellen hildebrand i've read two books i read also 28 summers i just finished that and um now i'm just like falling down this rabbit hole so i will be in nantucket with ellen hildebrand until further notice until further notice (laughs) um but anyways other than that i'm doing well thank you for asking (laughs) sorry how you doing how you doing i mean i'm doing sensationally really there's no other way i didn't even have to ask i know um i will say my inner piece was wrecked this week by a devastating hangover oh that yeah just, that took me down for about 36 hours it was really hard to watch i think it was hard to go through it was hard for us to like sit downstairs knowing you were upstairs sleeping because we were like she's never gonna drink again like yeah. this is exactly what she didn't want to happen yeah and you know what this i really i get to this place every three months it's cyclical because it's like i have this horrible hangover i don't drink for a while then i drink slowly i'm always reminded of my hangover days and then three months from now i'm feeling sort of brave and brazen mm-hmm. and, and i just there's a hole in the bottle you yeah. know i mean in 
the defense of the hangover, like, you did ask for it. Like, you were I, no, so... I was, dr- you I were know, drinking I, so much. I was drinking so much because I just, like, forgot what my body is capable and of. And, by the way, I loved it so much. I know, and I had really such a great time. Um, but that did take away, like, two days off the calendar of Inner Peace. I mean, that's to be expected. And the thing about Inner Peace is that if you always have it, you won't appreciate it. So 100%. It, it needs to be a roller coaster because you need to have it and appreciate it and re- reflect on the times where you didn't have it. Yes, definitely. So I think without further ado and without further Twilight fanfare, it is time for Theo to finally sit. Theo, sit. You guys. Theo. Like he's literally like running all over the microphone. Can you just. Good. Okay. Okay. It is time for the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And Jackie, I don't know if you remember, but, you know, over the week when we, we took a drive and I actually got stuck um, at a rest stop with a terrible case of RDH, mm-hmm. um, I spoke to the doctor and she basically said the answer is nothing new. Today's episode is brought to you by Nothing New. We love Nothing New. We told you guys about it in an earlier episode. Nothing New is amazing. I just got three pairs of sneakers from Nothing New and the best thing about them is they're made out of nothing that's new because it's all recycled water bottles 100% sustainable materials like fishing sustainable. nets recycled cotton recycled rubber recycled cork the list goes on which so, we love to see but then they, also the shoes come in the colors of Pliny vibes which uh, we doubly love to see doubly I mean they come in high top sneakers low top sneakers I saw they also make socks um, it's a fabulous company they're designed with comfort in mind so you would never know that you're wearing a pair of sneakers made from recycled materials when you put them on but you can feel good knowing that they are recycled and you can look good because they're fly as hell they have over 15 colors to choose from um it costs more to make an eco-friendly sneaker without the harmful glues and chemicals that most sneakers are made with so nothing new doesn't do sales or discounts at this time but they're happy to give back to the environment for morning toast listeners they're going to plant a tree for every pair purchased so if you go to nothingnew.com slash toast that's n-o-t-h-i-n-g-n-e-w.com slash toast and try a pair with free shipping and returns today nothing new will plant a tree in a forest in need so in your name you can get a sexy pair of shoes and a tree planted in your name i love that there's really no reason not to buy nothing new they're totally sustainable totally recycled totally cute and they're totally cute okay first story the biggest story of the week such sad news black panther star chadwick boseman dies of cancer at the age of 43 Chadwick Boseman, who played Black American icons Jackie Robinson and James Brown with searing intensity before inspiring audiences worldwide as the regal Black Panther in Marvel's blockbuster movie franchise, died Friday of cancer. He was 43. Boseman died at his home in Los Angeles with his wife and family by his side, his publicist told the AP. Bozeman was diagnosed with colon cancer four years ago, his family said in a statement. Quote, a true fighter, Chadwick persevered through it all and brought you many of the films you have come to love so much. From Marshall to The Five Bloods, August Wilson's Moraney's Black Bottom, and several more, all were filmed during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy. It was the honor of his career to bring King T'Challa to life in Black Panther. He had not spoken publicly about the diagnosis. He is survived by his wife and a parent. This is the craziest story. Like, we were all sitting around, and Ben was on his phone, and he said, Chadwick Boseman died. And, like, you know when, like, words just don't register? Mm -hmm. I was like, what? I mean, it's so, it's such an unbelievable story. One, because, you know when certain people die, it feels like they were never here. Like, they, because now he has, he had this, like, legendary presence to him, like, so much because of Black Panther and the iconic black roles that he played. And now, because he, he's not here, it just, it feels like... It's just one of those things where, like, you can't get over it, and I couldn't process it, and it's so sad, and what it just, 
it's just unheard of like this whole thing it's I don't know I don't even know what to say yeah I mean it's it's so sad it just goes to show you that life is so short Mm -hmm. you absolutely never know what people are going through so many people wrote like amazing tributes to him he was an amazing person Mm -hmm. um and I feel like that's something that really came off screen like that wasn't a surprise to hear about him um but to know what he was like struggling with in his personal life for four years and he did all those movies during that time yeah it just goes to show you like make the most of every moment and and you never know what someone's going through i mean i saw something being posted like he kind of resurfaced on social media a few weeks ago i'm looking you know visibly different he was much thinner and of course people were speculating you know is it for a role and then those kinds of conversation turned into just like speaking on someone's body which is you should never fucking do yeah no they were mean and critical and assuming the worst right and so I think one of the many lessons to take away from this is, first of all, you never know what's going on in someone's life. So just like shut your fucking mouth. And two, life is so short. I mean, 43 years old. I thought he was younger um, because he has this like young, vibrant presence to him on Mm -hmm. on screen. But it's it's a terrible story. Like it's one of those things like I thought about it all weekend. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's just so sad. Yeah, it's just so sad. And so our hearts are with his family and everyone who is affected by his loss which is his loss and and his life work yeah yeah i mean when you think about like what black panther did when when we we just watched it which i'm so glad that we did and we recapped it like what it did for the black community for and and i kept seeing so many people on social media on like some of the potomac housewives like sharing how their kids have been impacted by like the first black superhero like Mm -hmm. it's it's such a legacy to leave behind and it's just crazy that he was only 43 and, like, he just did that. And, and and playing also, like, Jackie Robinson, like, amazing black people in history, but also leaving a legacy of, like, the first and only so far black superhero and, like, what that did for little kids. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, He's on the cover of this n- newest issue of People magazine, A Hero Gone Too Soon. They're celebrating the extraordinary life and legacy of a star who changed the world while yeah. privately struggling with cancer. It's just so sad. It's, I mean, and it's such a brave thing to do so privately. Oh, for sure. It's just terrible. It's a really, it's a very upsetting story. Yeah, very upsetting. Um, But he was honored in many different ways. One way was in the VMAs. Oh, yes. That aired this weekend. They dedicated the entire show to him. Yes. um, We watched a bit of the VMAs. We did. So we're going to share some of our favorite and least favorite moments. Uh, The 2020 MTV Video Music Awards on Sunday looked a little different from previous years, given that it was one of the first live award shows held since the coronavirus shutdown. Live should be in quotes, because this whole thing is so confusing. No, no, and they literally kept saying live, and it it was the opposite of live. It was the opposite of live, like... I I don't know, what part of it are they saying was live? Maybe Kiki Palmer hosting on a green screen. And maybe the accepting? But... I don't know, because then so many people sent in videos, so, like, those were done days in advance. And, like, Madison Beer posted a picture of herself accepting before she actually came on. Bella Hadid was photographed in an outfit that she wore for while she presented. Oh. Like, I saw... Those paparazzi pictures. Those paparazzi pictures. That's what she wore to the show. That was maybe the day before? I mean, and people in New York were freaking out because, um... The weekend performed at Hudson Yards, and they had this amazing fireworks display, and they said they were going to go off at a certain time, but they went off, like, three hours earlier. Like, in this climate, like, you just can't be making unnecessary loud sounds. Like, you just can't. People were freaking out. So, and it wasn't even on Sunday. Like, it was two days. It was on Friday or something. Oh, was it? Yeah, or Thursday. Like, there's just, there's no consistency. Right. There was nothing that felt live about it. Um, The show's featured performances from Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, uh, 
BTS, Miley Cyrus, Black Eyed Peas, and other A-listers took the stage, like Drew Barrymore and Kelly Clarkson, to present. Um, okay, let's get into all well, of it. Let's talk about, for me, this was one of the first really um, remote award shows, but half remote, people were still in person. Yes, it was, the, but it was the most, like, present award show that we've had yet so that was exciting yes i think that they did a good job logistically of i thought kiki palmer was an amazing choice for host and i thought she did a great job and brought a lot of energy to to the job and i think that like green screen thing she had it standing in and making it seem like they were fans on the yeah, rooftops like, the, like and also the clapping tracks yeah i thought good. it was good I, I was i was appreciative of the clapping tracks i thought it was good and i think i liked that they actually had people come and accept and everyone was by themselves joey king was over here let it go you know what i mean it was good um now, the actual content, I do have a different story. Yeah, no, it was it was not good. Well, because you want to know why? There were, like, no famous people there. Like, literally, Lady Gaga was the most famous person there, and she won every award. She it won was every, the Lady Gaga yeah, Awards. She was the only one who agreed to show up, and so she won everything. Like, and by the way, whenever we recap the VMAs, we always say, it's like, they make a deal every year with the most famous person to show up. Like, you will win the awards if you showed up. Taylor went last year. Two years ago, when I actually went to the VMAs, it was Ariana Grande, because that was the whole sweetener era. Like, they make a deal, and then nobody else comes. Yeah, like, no, or it's like, if you show up, you will win an award. It, yeah. You may not win all of them, you'll lose some of them, but you if you are there, it means you will win so lady gaga won everything and let's go through the awards um who won okay video of the year went to the weekend for blinding lights um and who else was nominated taylor swift the man lady gaga rain on me future um and drake life is good eminem featuring juice world godzilla billy eilish everything i wanted okay the weekend gets it yeah but it's so crazy all these videos to me like none of them really stand out as iconic me too but the video of the year category is like such a big deal Ever it's since a polarizing. Really, yeah, ever since, like, Kanye, you yeah. know? But it's like, oh, no, this means something. No, and, like, to me, now you're announcing the winners. Like, it seems meaningless. Like, Kanye would literally never get up and, like, it's a meaningless award. It means nothing. Yeah, but maybe just the videos this year weren't. I'm, and I'm trying to think back to, like, what the video of the year feels like to me. Like, I'm still living in the Thank You Next era. Yeah, of course. You know? We all are. <laughs> okay, next up, Artist of the Year went to Lady Gaga. Other nominees were DaBaby, Justin Bieber, Megan Thee Stallion, Post Malone, The Weeknd. I actually think it should have went to Megan Thee Stallion. I know that it was Lady Gaga's night because she showed up and Megan Thee Stallion did not. But Megan Thee Stallion has had an incredible year. And her song, Savage, like, literally broke every record. Well, yeah. So that brings us to the next category, Song of the Year. Billie Eilish, Everything I Wanted, Doja Cat, Say So, The Winner, which was Lady Gaga, Rain On Me, Megan Thee Stallion, Savage, Post Malone Circles, Roddy Rich, The Box. So yeah, honestly, of, of I think all, Savage is the song of the year. I think of all of the nominees, Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, Rain On Me, is my favorite in the category, but by no means did I think it was the song of the year. I think it's probably the least eligible in that category. I would have given it to Megan Thee Stallion, Doja Cat, Post Malone, or Roddy Rich. Like, yeah. all of those songs were so much bigger, and that kills me to say because I love Rain On Me, but it's the truth. But like, no, 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 but, and I agree with all of those songs, like Circles, I fucking love that song. Me too. Um, I love Say So, but, like, when I think of 2020, I will think of Savage. Yeah. Like, Carol Baskin. Yeah. Killed her husband, husband whacked him. him. Like, everything about this year is Savage. Then, like, Beyonce remixed it, and, like, that song Tennis has bracelet. whole new life. So, I just, I don't think that, I think that, like, at a certain point, yes, MTV has to give it to the person who showed up. But also, like, if you want to be the arbiter of culture, call the song of the year what the song of the year was. And I fucking love Rain on Me, and, and I... I it was like, a song of your year. It was a song of my year, but, like, 
we have to be honest we, that Savage we, is the song of the year. And we have to be, like, unbiased. Like, you just have to think of it. And, like, I, I know all these songs. I've heard all these songs. I like some of these songs more than the other. But you really can't deny what Megan the Stallion did. Or even Doja Cat Say So was such a big song. Such like, a big song. So, I don't know. Part of the, like, the VMAs have become so disappointing in the sense that, like, the, the awards are totally meaningless. Like, There's was no merit. Me, was Rain On Me ever, like, turned into a TikTok dance? No. Then how can it be the song of the year? Like, what year are you living in? It's so true. You're, you, you're speaking facts. Thank you. Also, someone who was snubbed from literally every single category, who I think is among the artists of the year, is Dua Lipa. Agreed. Where the fuck was she? Where the Don't, fuck? Why isn't um, Don't Start Now or Physical mm-hmm. nominated for Song of the Year? Her album wasn't nominated for anything. She didn't, like, does she have beef with MTV? It seems like they went out of their way to exclude her from every single category. From every single category. Yeah. Just makes you think. Also, best collaboration went to Lady Gaga and Ariana, Rain On Me. And you know what? I, I can agree with that. I agree as well. Best new artist went to Doja Cat. Love to see it. She also performed. I loved her performance. Oh my god, she did such a good job. Yeah. She she has like, I mean, I know her music exclusively from TikTok. Boss Babe, uh, like that, say so. And I just love her music so much. And she's like such a cool girl. And by the way, I just found out she's half Jewish. Yeah, so exciting. So now we have to love her. So now we have no choice but to stand. And I thought her performance was sensational. She did such a good job. She's a great dancer. Yeah. It was really enjoyable to watch, but overall, I did not find the award show enjoyable to watch. On the one hand, I felt, like, old and irrelevant, and then on the other hand, I felt like this award show isn't relevant either. Like, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. that I'm just feeling old because everything happening is so young. It's like, where are even the young artists? Like, Megan Thee Stallion wasn't there, Harry Styles wasn't there, Billie Eilish wasn't there. It's like, who is this for? Apparently, Black Eyed Peas closed the show. Right, and that's how you know we're living in a a strange time. Also, you could see it in the presenters. I mean, I love her, but, like, I I genuinely have no clue what Drew Barrymore was doing there. Like, she just didn't fit in, and it made no fucking sense, and... And even, like, in the presenters, and I love these girls, and I'm not saying anything bad about them, but, like, Joey King and Madison Beer being the most famous people to perform. Sophia Carson. At the MTV VMAs. I'm like, that's... And by the way, I love those girls. I don't want to say anything bad about them. I'm just saying, like, for the level of what type of show this has been in the past, I just didn't feel like the talent was met met the bar. I agree. And, like, you know everyone's home and pretty much available. <laughs> right, right. So, I agree. Also, the videos that were coming in like the the acceptance speeches from people who weren't there to accept their awards and by there what does that even mean because like they could have filmed anything in front of a green screen and pretended that they were there it literally felt like someone was making a cameo for their co-workers like kid sister yeah um it was just like taylor swift like in a closet like thank you guys like it was just so cameo we watched two hours i don't know how long it went on but it just felt so dragged on and I think part of the reason why I was excited at first but that excitement slowly started to fizzle out as the show went on is because what I love most about award shows even like the loseriest from like the most from the Grammys all the way down to like the People's Choice Awards my favorite part of award shows is seeing celebrities out of their natural element um interacting with one another being caught on camera like just that like human social interaction is my favorite part just seeing how they act like in a social setting like are they holding drinks who's talking to who and we totally didn't have any of that and to me that's the most valuable part of an award show and having all these celebrities in the same room and we didn't have that with the vmas so i think logistically they did a good job of like getting the show done there was performances presenters yeah all that stuff but 
it was not the most entertaining thing I've ever watched. No, it 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 really wasn't. It was it was a letdown. I'm not gonna lie because yeah. they do have access to all these big names and talent, and they just found a way to like make me feel more sad about my about the this about year. my current situation. Yeah. yeah, about this year exactly. Also, Miley Cyrus was there. Your favorite. She got back on the wrecking ball. Um, it was. You know what? I don't really like to talk about Miley Cyrus because. I feel like people... It's the golden rule. Like, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah, but what I'm going to say is, like, if you're trying to move into a new era and, like, you're talking about how, like, this is the real you and you're swinging on a ball that made you famous five years ago, like, you're not in a new era. Sorry. Okay. I do like that song, though. So we'll end on that note. Some more award show exciting news that is exciting, bittersweet. Um, the CMA Awards have been announced. It's bitter because there probably won't be a CMA Awards this year where we'll get to hit the red carpet and talk oh, to shit. all of these nominees. But it's sweet because I do feel as though justice is being served. Well, there's a lot of things that I read the nominees when I woke up this morning. And I always go to Entertainer of the Year to see one who was nominated and two if there's a woman and last year there's two right last year there was carrie underwood and now we have two women miranda lambert too yes right? two women so um the cma awards give female artists a far bigger look as miranda lambert leads nominations with seven queen although the cma awards themed its 2019 telecast around women's contributions to the genre 2020 is turning out to be the year in which that's actually borne out in the nominations yep shade in the slate of nominees announced tuesday morning female artists made up two or sometimes three of the five contenders in nearly every category marking far greater representation than usual in the genre making a major comeback in cma awards contention as she recently has at country radio miranda lambert earned the most nominations with seven upping her career tally to 55. I just have to say, um, I have had a really, like, made a, a 180 on Miranda Lambert. Good. Um, I used to not like her because I just felt like her whole, like, public thing was so messy, like, after Blake Shelton. And I never really liked her music, and I just didn't understand, like, why people, like, stand her so much. And to be honest, like, the music she's putting out right now is so beautiful and so sickening i was literally watching like a commercial for some like diabetes pill and her song came on and i'm like why do i know this song and it was the house that built me which is such a beautiful song such a beautiful song and i just have to say i was wrong i apologize and i stand and by the way i'm not above doing that great we absolutely love to hear it also the genre's newest legitimate superstar this is variety who said this luke combs followed with six nods marin morris who was eligible for her crossover smash the bones but not her album which fell into the previous award cycle is a strong contender with five nominations by the way carly parse earned four wait by the way that's crazy that marin morris is the third most nominated person and her album didn't even Mm -hmm. qualify it's just the the collab she did with hosier yeah carly parse earned four okay the most interesting thing as did uh dan and shay the most interesting thing is um two freshman women who had number one singles this year were nominated twice is ingrid andres who we fucking love she makes up the quarantines playlist you guys if you haven't listened to ingrid andres in quarantine you have not lived the song that was nominated um for ingrid andres was um what's it called um the one why can't i say yeah, yeah um more hearts than more mine. hearts than mine um that is such a beautiful song i highly encourage you to listen to it so the fact that it, it i think it got nominated for record of the year is crazy but also crazy is gabby barrett i hope yes was nominated for single of the year which is just crazy like she was on american idol two years ago now she's nominated for a cma that must be like two so cma she's nominated for sickening. her and ingrid both nominated for two cma so now i'm going to go through each category okay, well, and we're gonna the biggest ones and we're going to pick a winner for entertainer of the year which is 
for those who don't know, because I feel like maybe some people don't listen to country music, it is the most prestigious. Taylor Swift had actually won it. She was one of the first women to win it um, a couple years ago. And it's about, obviously, who had the best songs, but also, like, touring and, and, and I think Numbers, even, like, streams, Instagram, social media. Everything. Who's everywhere? Who's doing it all? Obviously, touring doesn't really apply in 2020, but, like, who was making themselves a present? Who was yeah. entertaining this year? We have Eric Church, who weirdly is nominated every, every single year. year. I don't know why. Luke Combs, Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood, Keith Urban. Okay, I don't know if I'm just, like, so biased. It's Luke Combs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like It was. It literally was his year. He entertained me all year. All Not only, year. His album came out in November, entertained me. Six Feet Apart came out in quarantine, entertained me. His he wedding, married. His yeah. wedding entertained me. Like, Agreed. His TikTok entertained me. Agreed. Everything about him, it was entertaining. Agreed. And he's the winner for that he's, reason. Yeah, like in my eyes and in my heart, he's the winner in every category he was nominated in, but I'm trying not to be biased. Okay, next up, single of the year. 10,000 Hours, Dan and Shay. Mm-hmm. I don't love that song as much as everyone else. I like it. I like it, but it's not like... It's not single of the year. It's not tequila. Beer Never Broke My Heart, Luke Combs. Bluebird, Miranda Lambert. The Bones, Marin Morris. I Hope, Gabby Barrett. Okay, I, I, again, I'm not just trying to be biased, but like Beer Never Broke My Heart <laughs> was like obviously the song of the year. Yeah. Like that song, people were like rocking their necks out. And it wasn't just people who love country music. It was cross genre. I'm sorry, it was Luke Combs. Yep, I agree. Album of the year. <laughs> Heartache Medication, John Party. I actually ne- love that song. Heartache no, it's for the album. No, I know. Oh, okay. Never Will by Ashley McBride. Old Dominion by Old Dominion. What You See Is What You Get, Luke Combs. Wild Card, Miranda Lambert. Now, I don't, like, mean to be biased here. <laughs> but What You See Is What You Get by Luke Combs was the album of the year. It was the album of my year. It was the album of my year for sure. Yeah, see, I don't know if we, like, live in this bubble where, like, Luke Combs is the center of the universe. But yeah. I think that that's actually just what the world is like. But people love Stan Ashley McBride. And you know what's so funny is, like, I've never really come across her music. Like, it just doesn't come across my desk. Yeah, I know. Maybe, like, the algorithm is, is Against blocking us. her. But I feel like She's maybe shadow banned. we would love her. Oh, no, for sure. According to this, we would love her. You know who I think was snubbed for album of the year? Now that I'm thinking back on the albums I used to listen to in full this year, mm-hmm. of course, Luke Holmes was number one, but the Lady the Lady A album. Yes, you are so right. Right? It was so beautiful. It was, it was so, so stunning. long. I, list, I saved all of the songs to my Spotify downloads, and I would listen to, like, all 16 of them at once. Yeah. So there's a snub right there. Big snub. Song of the year. Bluebird, The Bones, Even Though I'm Leaving, I Hope You're Happy Now, More Hearts Than Mine. Ooh. You know what? I don't have a, a clear winner here. I mean, I love, I hope you're happy, happy now. But also that But is I love Luke that because it was written by Luke Combs, but he doesn't <laughs> sing on it. Um, I love all these songs. I actually love Bluebird by Miranda Lambert. And I love The Bones. You know, I honestly, I can't pick a winner. And I love Even Though I'm Leaving. And I love More Hearts Than Mine. Honestly, for me, I'm going to pick The Underdog. I'm going More, more hearts. hearts Than Mine. Me too. Because even though I love Even Though I'm Leaving, I don't think it was a song of the year. No, it's too personal. Like, yeah. no one's going to rock out to that when we're, like, all crying Sobbing about our parents. Yes, right. <laughs> okay, next up. Female vocalist of the year. Miranda Lambert, Ashley McBride, Marin Morris, Casey Musgraves, Carrie Underwood. I'm trying to think who did the most this year out of them. And I, I think it's Miranda Lambert. Yeah, I think so too. None of these these... People, uh, Ashley McBride had an album, but Casey didn't have a new album this year. Marin didn't have a new album this year. I think, and and Miranda Lambert did, and she had some fabulous songs. Yeah, this feels like a shoe-in for Miranda. Miranda Lambert. Next male vocalist of the year, Eric Church, Luke Combs, Thomas Rhett, Chris Stapleton, Keith Urban. Like, this is obviously If Luke he's going to win Entertainer of the Year, he has to win male so vocalist true. of the year. Right? Has he ever won Entertainer of the Year? No, just, no, no. I think this is his first time being nominated no, for No, I think he was nominated, um... Last year? 
Okay, Garth Brooks won last year. Keith Urban won. Garth Brooks again. Garth Brooks again. Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. Oh okay. God. They have got to shake it up. Shake it up. They haven't had a winner be a woman since 2011, and it was Taylor Swift, and then she won in 2009 again. But other than that, she's the only woman to have won it. I'm looking. 2004. Wow. Holy shit. 1992. I think maybe she's the only... Oh, Reba won it in 1982, and that appears to be it. Wow. Oh, Shania Twain won it in 1999. They they really got to kick it up. They got to kick it up. Although, oh, and the Chicks won. Although won. this year, it must go to, to Luke, Luke Combs. Combs. I agree. Um, and then the vocal group of the year is Lady A, Little Big Town, Midland, Old Dominion, Rascal Flats. I'm tempted to give us Rascal Flats because it's their last year of being nominated, probably. Because they're retired. Even though they just put out, like, an album. And Looking Back is so good. Looking Back is so good. Um, but Lady A, for me, their album this year was it. They should be vocal group. I don't know. Old Dominion is just like so oh, consistently good. They like are. Their, their songs are just beautiful. Um, and then vocal duo of the year, Brooks and Dunn, Brothers Osborne, Dan and Shay, Florida Georgia Line, Maddie and Tay. Ugh, I'm a Florida Georgia Line, like, girly girl. Like, I just think that they're <laughs> fucking amazing. And I, I know they're, like, kind of cliche, like, with their, like, country vibe. Like, don't say it ain't country. But, like, I love it. I know. I'm kind of a Maddie and Tay girly girl. By the way, that song... Can your knees give out from praying so hard? Can you go blind from crying in the dark? Such a sad song. Such a sad song. Um, and then the other category that's very notable is New Artist of the Year. Jimmy Allen, Ingrid Andres, Gabby Barrett, Carly Pierce, Morgan Wallen. Um, and I'm going to go left and say for me, Morgan it's Morgan Wallen. And I love I love every girl on this list. Me too. Every girl and every guy. But Morgan Wallen is doing something for me that hasn't been done since Luke Combs. Uh, by the way, I completely agree where it's like every single song, you know it's going to change your life. Like, you don't even have to listen to it. Like, you know it's amazing. And I, I honestly find it shocking that he's new artist material because I know Whiskey Glasses was only like last year and that was his first song. But he's just like selling out stadiums. Like, he's doing unprecedented work no he is everything to me like i think he is going to be in a few years entertainer of the year like he is everything of the sort cover me up this bar more than my hometown seven Seven summers Summers. you guys if you're not listening to these songs right now you're in for a treat by the way like the country people who listen to this podcast like are 100% listening to Morgan Wallen like I think people are listening like young people are listening to him more than like Luke Holmes yeah and it's hard for me because like Ingrid Andres's album is one of like my top three albums of quarantine like top three albums of this year Mm -hmm. no lie Mm -hmm. and Morgan Wallen hasn't even put out an album this year it's just like there's something about him him. and his vibe and his music and his hair I agree and his voice everything about it and you know Gabby Barrett I I love her I love to see a nomination from her she put out some great songs this year she did but Morgan Wallen hits different you guys I agree Okay, wow. Those are your CMA Award nominees. I look forward to whatever sort of award show we get, and we look forward. May the best man win. May the best man win. And women. Next story, a little exciting couple news. Very random couple news. Minka Kelly and Trevor Noah are dating. Trevor Noah and Minka Minka Kelly are a couple, and according to a new report, it's not a fling. They're very happy, an insider told People. It's a very serious relationship. The talk show host and the actress have not publicly confirmed their relationship. Page Six has reached out to their reps for comment. Minka Kelly is and has been for the last, like, 10 years the most eligible bachelorette in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't work. She's never in movies. But she's somehow, like, so famous because she's literally so beautiful. Like, I've never seen someone more beautiful in my entire life. And, like, you thought she couldn't get more beautiful when you fell in love with her as 
Lila Garrity on Friday Night Lights. But then she just, like, evolved into this woman, and she's so beautiful. And, like, I just, there was a time where she was dating, I think, Derek Jeter. And, like, yes. that was everything of the sort. Mm-hmm. And this is a step up. Like, this is a real... This is a real relationship, and I've actually had the pleasure of seeing Trevor Noah in person, and I can report that he has a big, fat, juicy ass. Like, <laughs> it's so big. And I was at Soho House, and me and Margo... I was there. I oh, was there. And we saw him get up yeah. to go to the buffet, and, like, you just... You, you see Trevor Noah, and, like, you're excited. Like, you just don't expect to see, like, a thick, juicy ass. And when he stood up, I was floored. Like, his ass is huge but like in a good way like oh yeah it was just shocking you know (laughs) and i feel like minky kelly likes a big juicy ass i think so too i don't know why you know we talk about like these random couples that are a dime a dozen really but like to me this makes a lot of sense i hope they have like a long happy prosperous relationship yes i I just don't know why like i just thought he was married like and like his relationship life was like settled yeah like if you knew that his hat was in the ring like you would have added him started pairing him up with people (laughs) right when we play our fictional games. <laughs> right. You would have, like, added him to the rosters. But I had literally no idea. Just, like, I don't know. To me, he, like, he, like, screams stability. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just been married for years and he has grandkids already, you know? Yeah, but he's not but he's that not. guy. And maybe soon he will be. I'm, like, jealous that he's dating Minka Kelly. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. She's, like, I mean, maybe we're just, like, conflating her character, Lila Garrity, yeah. like, with her. We do have that problem. We do. <laughs> we have a serious problem. But she also starred in a Hallmark movie with Andy <laughs> McDowell called The Beach House. And you guys, like, I don't even think it was made by Hallmark. I think, like, Hallmark bought it because it's on a different level than Hallmark. Really? It's on, it's so fucking good. Oh my god, does she look just, like, sensational? She's sensational. Annie McDowell is her mother. And, Love like, that. We, it's so, it's so good. If you're looking for a content, like, mediocre, that, mediocre one's upper. that one's it. Okay, next up, we have some celeb bebe news. Now that we're only doing a show a week, like, so many babies are born every week. So many babies. Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom just welcomed their baby girl, and her name is absolutely adorable. Adorable. Her name is Daisy Dove Bloom. Um, feel like Katy Perry was pregnant for 6,000 years. I'm really happy that she gave birth, and I absolutely love the name Daisy for three reasons. One, I just think it's a cute name. Two, her last name is Bloom, because Orlando Bloom, and it's like a Daisy, Daisy Bloom, Bloom, Flower Blooms, so cute. And three... Katie released a song a couple weeks ago called Daisies, and I actually think like most of Katy Perry's music is trash, but that was actually a cute song. The new album, I listened to the first half. It's good. She's, okay. she's doing well. I think she's like feeling herself, and she's in a really happy place, and that just translates yes. in her music. Part of I me- love the name Daisy Bloom, and I love how you just described it, and now it's making me feel like, and I love the name Dove. A bunch of celebrities mm-hmm. have named their babies Dove recently, and I think it's a beautiful name. I kind of wish she had like saved that, because I think Daisy Bloom on and its Dove own. And Dove Bloom. And Dove Bloom. Yeah, that's cute. And then she, like, part of me is, like, dying inside, though, because I um, am, like, one of the last people aboard the ship of her and John Mayer, and I feel like in a lot of ways, like, this Orlando Bloom thing is just, like, a bump in the road, <laughs> and, like, she's gonna make her way back to John Mayer, and I feel like, you know, the more babies she has, like, the further I am. Like, my ship is never docking, and no. I'm just, like, lost Your at sea. Your ship is lost at sea. And it's upsetting. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm here for... Th- for this, all of this. Have you ever seen Orlando Bloom's penis? Like, those pictures? No, you know I don't look at celebrity nudes. But it wasn't nudes. He was out and about at a nude beach. So I'm he- sure he wasn't, like, thrilled that he was photographed. Mm. Also, Ed Sheeran is now a father. 
his wife, Cherry She just Siegel. announced her pregnancy like yesterday. Well, now she's given birth to a baby named Lyra Antarctica Seaborn Sheeran. This is giving Elon Musk's kid a run for her money. Oh, yeah. His money. Maybe one day they'll get married. Get Antarctica together. 12 will be her name. <laughs> and also in some celeb baby news, Emma Roberts has oh. confirmed her pregnancy. She's expecting her first child, a baby boy, with Garrett Headland. Okay, Garrett Headland is just like permanently nestled in a, in a, like an innermost corner of my heart because he is in two of my favorite movies and I feel like a lot of people actually don't know who he is because he's like an actor for the craft he doesn't have an Instagram like he just loves to act mm-hmm. it's so weird um but he's he is the love interest in Country Strong uh, against you know Gwyneth Paltrow and then he's also in Georgia Rule. Yes. He's like that Bible nerd who Lindsay Lohan gives a blowjob to in the canoe. Yes. So I just like have such a special place in my heart for him. And I love Emma Roberts. And I like love this love. And I love that they're having a baby. And it's a boy. And the pictures she posted on Instagram were so cute and precious. And she looks so like They bumpy. were stunning. Stunning. Also, he is in Pan. I don't know if you ever watched it. I did. I weirdly watched it recently. And also, I feel as though he should be in Yellowstone. I think Casey Dutton looks a lot like him, and mm. I feel like Garrett might have auditioned. And if he didn't, then his manager needs to be fired. Yeah. Because that's mean, the show for him. Uh, it's just amazing to me. Like, he's an anomaly because he has managed to stay a working actor in Hollywood without ever, like, doing press, having social media, going to events. Like, he, I think he literally, like lives under a bridge like it's so weird no he does it for the love of the craft of doing it and then by the way and now he's like now he has something else to do it for like his child yeah it's beautiful it's so beautiful love to see it so those are the fast high stories and now i'm providing a bonus story this one's really for claudia um it also requires like this photograph that i'm going to show you that we will definitely i know we always say we'll post our instagram (laughs) we do always say this is what our instagram needs just some eye candy Peter Faccinelli lost 30 pounds during <gasps> qu- quarantine. I feel leaner. I feel... Ah! Oh, my God. I'm dying. That doesn't even look like him. He looks <gasps> smoking, you guys. Oh, my God. I'm fucking dead. Like... Daddy Cullen. Daddy Cullen. It's sickening the Cullens down. Oh, my God. And he, you know what it is? He looks very tan in the photo, and as a, as a vampire, he's, like, green. Yeah. Oh, my God. He looks so handsome. Does he have a girlfriend? Also, this photo is a campaign to raise awareness for prostate cancer. So, like, you can feel good about ogling this photo because it's doing good. Oh, he has a wife. Oh, my God. Peter Faccinelli was married to Jenny Garth for 12 years. What? That is insane. That is insane. Um... But Peter Foch is loving his healthy new look. The 46-year-old actor says that he is physically in better shape than he's ever been and opened up about losing weight while quarantining amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Everything's kind of shut down right now, and I wanted to focus on myself, he told people exclusively. So I did a lot of meditating, a lot of reading, and a lot of growing personally and just wanted to physically see if I could get as physically fit as I could. I wish I had had that experience. Peter Foch also, in January of 2020, right before quarantine, got engaged to his girlfriend, Lillian Harrison. Damn. Damn, she's Esme so lucky. Esme is quaking. Esme is quaking. Wait, I'm... He, like, doesn't age because... Well, he really looks like a vampire. I, I mean, I'm just, like, so obsessed with him. He is Carlisle. He is Carlisle. Here's another pic for you. <gasps> you guys, these pictures are so sexy. Like, literally nude. Oh, my God, I'm sad! Peter Foch, he looks so good. Looks so good. And so I just thought you deserved that I, sweet treat. I so appreciate that sweet treat. It was so <laughs> sweet and such a treat. <laughs> um, okay, now let's dump... 
dump. <laughs> I was going to say dive or jump, but I guess we'll just dump into our TV recap segment, which is brought to you by Honey. We all shop online, and we've seen that promo code field taunt us at checkout. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a, is a thing of the past. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. So basically, how Honey works, it is a browser extension that is totally free. You download it. It doesn't bother you. Every time you're shopping, right before you press check out this little box pops up and it's like hi i'm honey i'm a reminder i can save you money you click one button one two they scour the internet for all the coupon codes and they'll apply the one that works and that saves you the most money and you can literally save so much money every time you shop online and since like all we do now is shop online um even though we have nowhere to go it is now more pertinent than ever that you get honey i have shopped at sephora bloomingdale's revolve they really <clears throat> they they work on pretty much every website um they have found it's over 17 million dollars 17 million members over two billion dollars in savings so if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out on free savings it's literally free and installs in seconds by getting it you'll be doing yourself a solid and be supporting this podcast if you go to joinhoney.com slash toast so you can get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash toast that's joinhoney.com slash toast thank you honey for sponsoring our tv recap segment love it okay let's start with beverly hills we had our season finale it's the big culmination denise is suing and she stopped filming cease and desists are here not suing but you know getting litigious can i just say like they really hyped up like denise stopping filming with the girls like lisa vanderpump stopped filming with the girls like she didn't go on the trip denise didn't make it into the last episode Yeah, no, like like, denise took off christmas and new year's and then was back at rinna's house like literally going into the lion's den so i agree she didn't show up for that party at Dorit's, which maybe was supposed to be the finale. Definitely. But Erica wasn't there either, so... Yeah. And, and she didn't go to New York to the see Erica. The episode was very choppy. It was very choppy, but I also think, like, maybe they had a, a plan for it to end in a certain way, and then COVID. COVID. So, I don't mind the choppiness. I just... It didn't feel as much as, like, this big bombshell, but I do feel extremely conflicted, because all season, I've really been riding for Denise, and, like, even though she's not super credible i really feel like Garcelle. Garcelle was like i just want her to be credible like to be like a believable person that you can root for and she's just not being that person at all but i really want that for her so like on the one hand i've been like on denise's side like this is not anyone's business this is too personal but then on the other hand when dorit rinna and garcelle had dinner and rinna was like she's gonna find a way to put this on us and like make us the mean girls i'm like whoa that's what she did yeah. and I, I feel like played really you know what i I heard Lisa Rinna say that and I didn't feel like spooked at all because to be honest, the reason why I feel for Denise has nothing to do with what Denise is saying. Like, and you know what? I came to this conclusion very much on my own and the conclusion that I came to is like, regardless of whether or not Denise is lying, which she 100% is, like it's, we don't even have to say whether or not, like she's Mm -hmm. lying. Um, I think that the the women going after this particular um, story is a really low blow because it has to do with someone's sexuality and that's just a line you don't cross in society and I didn't think that we were going to cross it in Beverly Hills and they did. So the conclusion I came to in taking Denise's side, I came to completely on my own because my moral compass showed me that way you know i don't i didn't find like denise's master manipulation in the media brought me to this conclusion you know i didn't read anything in the media i came to this conclusion after watching the show yeah i i i agree with that i feel like on the one hand i was like ready to 
be like, oh, you know what, Denise has me played. Like, she plays this, like, innocent person who I just, like, want to defend. But then when she went to Rinna's house and she was talking to Rinna, and I'm like, okay, I see both sides right now. Whose side am I going to take? And then Rinna said to her, you're so angry. And she yeah. was smiling. My skin was literally crawling. I was like, back on. I can't quit Denise. No, no. Lisa Rinna bothered me the most this episode. And I think that she wasn't involved in the episode a lot. But I think a lot of the stirring tonight, uh, last night, or whenever the episode was on, had to do with Kyle. And here's my hypothesis. So we get to Dorit's party, which was beautiful, by the way. I love her house i love her house this like weird non-alcoholic champagne um that was like not even a storyline and made no sense was actually perfect for teddy and kim richards like i actually was glad that they both had something to drink (laughs) i thought it was perfect um so yeah at this party which was beautiful you know housewives old and new show up marisol Patton came with adrian did you see her no they are friends so strange and they look alike so at first i was like is that marisol oh that's so interesting they're very similar very strange so they showed up everyone gets together Garcelle and her man are being so cute in the car. So cute. And by the way, I can't believe at the end it said they didn't work out. I thought they were literally going to get married the next day. I know. I mean, some things don't work out, but I'm glad that Denise gave gave us that car scene by not showing up. Yes. So Denise doesn't show up. um, And all the women at first are like, oh, I'm so offended. And to be honest, like, they're acting all shocked. Like, what could have happened that she's not coming? Have you seen what's been happening the last few weeks? Like, the possibility of her not showing up, they know the reason why. Because she doesn't want to have any sort of confrontation. Acting like they're so worried about her family emergency is such bullshit. The only person who has a real, like, legitimate gripe with Denise about not showing up is Garcelle. Because she stood her up and she made her look like an asshole and she missed the magic trick or whatever. So, that I understand. I understand that, too. But I feel like Denise, we know, didn't show up. She was planning on coming. Mm -hmm. Like, she didn't show up because Brandy told her she was going to be there. And and all the women want Denise and Brandy to talk so that they don't have to do the talking about them. And Denise doesn't want that. And I don't think she needs to have that conversation. Brandy is not a cast member. Denise does not owe her that conversation Mm -hmm. on camera. I think if Brandy was never coming, and and also it's like, who told Brandy to come? So here... I, be- I believe that it's Kyle. Me too. That's what I was about to say. So Kyle is the master manipulator of this entire episode. Dorit had no idea that Baron Brandy was going to be at her house. And Dorit is a true Denise stan. She would never have allowed that. But Kyle invited Kim. Like, it is so obviously Kyle stirring the pot here. And I feel like she's, honestly, a lot of the, the pot stirring has gotten blamed on Teddy and Lisa, which I agree with. But Le- Kyle needs to be a part of that. Yeah. Kyle is very much a part of it. Like, and I... I think she just doesn't, like, say the wrong things or get too emotional. And so you don't realize that she has so much invested in it. She's but, become like, a mini LVP. She's the one who invited Kim over when Kim was yeah. going to dinner with Brandy. And, like, everything kind of comes back to Kyle. Yep. Um, so I understood why Denise didn't come. I think Denise would have come if Brandy wasn't there. It would have been another night of talking about it. And then when I think it was, like, Rena who was like, you need to talk about it with him, like... Denise spent, like, a week in Rome just talking about this. Like, what more do you guys want? They, like, we need to iron out. Every time you go to talk about something, it doesn't get resolved. So, like, what? I don't know. No, and they did resolve it. And then they went back to New York and Beverly Hills and pretended like there was no resolution. Right, and now they pretend like these text messages show that there's an intimate relationship. And I think no one... I don't feel that way. Like, no. they, it, it shows that they were friends, but we all knew they were friends. The thing is, it's like, I have now moved past whether or not who I believe, whatever. I don't care that Brandy and Denise had sex. And you know what? I do believe that they did. None of that matters to me because it is absolutely no one's business. And I think a lot of the women have showed their true colors in trying to get the truth. They're also concerned about the truth. But, like, who fucking cares? Like, what, so, what someone else does in their personal life. Like, Lisa is on this journey for the truth. But what is what does this particular truth do for Lisa? Right. I feel like, honestly, we all know the truth. Yeah. Move on. Move on. It's so stupid. And I, I've started to hate some of these women because of what they're doing to Denise. And I'm now even more, after last night's episode, firm in my stance with Denise. 
Yeah, I agree with that. What I did think was interesting was when the party ended and Garcelle got back in the car, you saw the producer talking to Garcelle, and it's just interesting to see how, like, they, they try and stir shit up. Like, the, he was being super producery. I was like, is this a bachelor? Yeah, no, and he was, like, trying to get Garcelle to turn on Denise. He's like, it's kind of shitty that, like, she would not show up after she told you she was gonna. Yeah. Like, and I, I just thought it was interesting that we saw, that's what like they talk producer about. producer involvement. When they talk about the producers, talk, like, it's just, like, little nudging like that, and I yeah. thought it was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating, too. Oh, and then when they're at drinks after Christmas, um talking about she told producers that she wasn't coming i just think it's interesting how the producers have now become like a character yeah but it's also it's weird because on the one hand it just feels like oh it's just you know we're gonna show up to dorit's party or whatever but no it's like really a set you know it's like i'm not coming to work today yep so that's that is interesting but i look forward to the reunion i think it'll be really interesting i hope that I hope this gets put to bed because it's not something I I think anyone really enjoys. No, not at all. And I really want Denise to make a return on the show. And I think that she has like a sour taste in her mouth and she could walk away. And I really don't want her to. Yeah. But I also think she's a tough cookie and and she'll stand her ground. She just doesn't want to be talking to Brandy. Like, and I understand that. Like, Brandy's not on the show and she's not going to make it back on the show on Denise's back. Denise will not let that happen. Will not allow it. Yeah. So... That's that. Let's talk New York. Um, I actually liked the episode of New York. I think that this episode was really highlighting the Roni problem. Oh, that's so interesting. Say your theory because I have another take. And I think it it really made clear, like, who needs to stay and who needs to go. Because the really only big event was Leah's Married to the Mob 15th anniversary party, which was, like, a real downtown streetwear young party. And I think the reaction of all the women who walked in was... Leah is the future of the show. She is young. She is fresh. Everyone loves her. And they're obviously moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. So all the women walking in in their fur coats, like, not really feeling like this was... They were feeling out They're of place. Seen. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fascinating how each of them reacted to it. And I think the fact that Dorinda was just like nonstop talking about people in their sweatpants, like, is why she had to go. Mm-hmm. I think Sonia running into the young men and not even saying hi to her friends is why she is an evergreen, perfect housewife. Mm-hmm. She is a chameleon. She adapts anywhere she goes and she is perfect and she must stay. Leah, of course. I actually think Luann was like amazing down with what was going on she was down with it okay continue and then i have a similar theory and i don't really have a theory about ramona because she left right but i don't think she would have liked the party i agree okay what i took away from this episode is like something about this episode and and this um party that leah was throwing like downtown super young scene like highlighted how some of the existing ladies like how and why like they're so iconic in their ways like when okay when sonia morgan was with like she was with a guy and he said he was drinking captain morgan last night and she's like you're with Captain morgan last night and lady morgan now so funny so iconic stays when luann said something so funny to me when she was talking (laughs) with ramona earlier in the day about elise and she goes, I had her number the minute she walked in the door, and it wasn't 212. <laughs> yes, I agree. And it's like, that is the iconic. attitude, the iconic attitude from the New York Housewives that we need more of. So this, I mean, the only person to me who felt even more out of place than anyone was Elise. Like, what was she doing at oh this party? Oh my God, I have no idea. And then even Ramona, like, walking in and leaving, like, that's Ramona Singer. Yeah, it was actually and pretty so funny. so I feel like it really highlighted the best of certain women, like Luann and Sonia, and then also showed the people who need to go Dorinda also her birthday dinner was like 
tragic. I have a a paragraph about her. Luann on the mic at her birthday dinner highlights why Luann is iconic. I I agree. And, you know, Luann is, like, she's not too proud to do anything. And I think that's part of being a really good housewife. Is like, Ramona and Dorinda, like, hold themselves to this standard where, like, they think, like, Dorinda thinks that she is, like, the wife of Richard. Like, they all have these, like, idealized versions of themselves. And they don't let that go. And I think, like, they walk into this dungeon they called it and it's different and that's what parties are like that's what the parties like that I go to like yeah those are what young New York parties are like and the fact that they're not able to just kind of get out of this like image of themselves is why I don't think they have a a long shelf life on the show but I do think that some of them are able to get out of this image of themselves and some of them aren't but I also think that someone like Ramona who is in her 60s who was closer to Leah's mother's age isn't going to go to that party and act like a teenager agreed which would be disingenuous so is that the word yeah, or not genuine, whatever. And so her coming and being a sick, a, a you know, like a snooty six-year-old Upper East Side woman also works. Yes, I thought that Leah's mom looked more like a housewife than Leah did, and like she fit in with the women so perfectly. I don't know why the women like could not get over her mom. They like kept calling her granola. Like she just looks like a mom. What yeah, was the big I mean, deal? I don't know what they expected. Right, but we met Leo. And her mom, like, kind of at the same time, so yeah. we never got an opportunity to think, like, oh, what would Leah's mom be like? Yeah. I literally, my notes are, Sonia entering the party and going straight to the young guys is why she should never get fired. She's a chameleon. <laughs> like, she can just adapt to any, she could be an Upper East Side lady, she could be a downtown girl. Like, I just felt like this episode, like, cemented for me, like, Lady Morgan is a top-tier housewife. I completely agree. I felt the same way. I felt the same about Luann. And I'm feeling certain, and Leah said it in this episode, too, I'm feeling certain that Ramona is iconic. Like, she just, for better or for worse. And Leah said when Ramona was saying something, I think Ramona, like, accidentally insulted Leah's mom by saying, like... She didn't... Yeah. She just wasn't what I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Leah was, she like... She wrapped it up perfectly. What's wrong with Ramona? Yeah, she was, like, Ramona has no idea that she is being, like... The rudest so person So fucking alive. rude. But yeah. that's Ramona. Agreed. So... And also, like, that is... There's something about those women, Luann, Ramona, Sonia, that are really quintessential New York, that ad, that New York attitude, yes. which is what we do want on the show. I don't think everyone on the show should be like Leah. Leah would never say, I have her number and it's not 212. No, you know, no, it's she so She would funny. never think like that. But, like, there's something about that New York attitude that needs to stay on the show, and that is what we saw last night. And I, I think, agree. I think Dorinda thinks she has that attitude. Yes. But she's just got a mean attitude. I totally agree. Let's talk about Dorinda's birthday party, <laughs> Because the first thing I noticed was Hannah, her daughter, was wearing a jacket that were the matching. They were the triggered. I was so triggered. The matching pants to those terrible, like knitted pants she wore in Mexico. Dorinda, Hannah was wearing a matching jacket. It was like, oh my god. It wasn't bad enough the first time. Now we're getting a whole coat. Watching this party, like, really brought me back to a time pre-COVID because it literally looked like the most filthy place, like, the most filthy people, like, all sweating on each other. I was just like, I can't believe we used to do this. I know, and it was like, this is my worst kind of dinner party because, in general, I'm not, like, huge on dinner parties, but in my older age, I'm getting more into them, you know? And it's like, the seats were so close together. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I could smell the vodka on their breath. Yep. So they were talking to each other. I'm like, all I could smell is Colin Cowie smelling Ramona's breath. Like, and... They're literally eating from family-style plates. So it's yeah. like everyone's slobbering all over their forks and putting the fork in the meat. Like, it was just, honestly, COVID gave me, like, a whole... New, I don't know if I would have reacted this way pre-COVID, but, like, this party was disgusting. And also, it wasn't in a private dining room. But I think well, the place... That was the other thing. The pla- I think this place is, like, an institution in New York. I've never been there, but it was kind of reminding me of, like, Sammy's Romanian. Yes, I agree. Which is, like, a similar sort of vibe with the vodka and the Russian, dancing. Yeah. Um 
And so you don't get a private room there because you're there for the ambiance. And, and so but I get that. you're not filming a TV show when not, you go. Right. And them getting a microphone and making speeches in the middle of a crowded restaurant, like, made no sense to me. No, like... How, where did Luann find that microphone? No, no, I don't know, because John gave a speech without a microphone. Dorinda gave a speech without a microphone. Luann grabs one from her purse and suddenly is on a microphone. But I'd say Luann was being an icon at the party because I just love that, like, she kept the phone thing in the back of her mind. Loved from, his, I love a grudge. I love a grudge. Like, she kept the phone thing from Mexico. Like, Dorinda doesn't want us to be on our phones at the table. And that was an informal breakfast on vacation. Like, very informal. Now she kept it in the back of her mind. Not only is Dorinda on a phone at her own birthday party, which is a seated dinner party for adults. She's on Sonia's phone, like, pretending to help her with her apps. Like, right, and also, like, not to get too into the weeds, but, like, Sonia thought, I mean, Dorinda thought she was closing Sonia's app she to was, save battery. She was just exiting out of her Safari tab. Yeah. Which, like, of course, there's going to be 5,000. Sonia's never done that in her life. No. And that's not really, like, what's wasting Sonia's battery. A thousand percent. But just, I just... I, if I, we're going to, like, get technical. I love that Luann kept that little bit of information in the back <laughs> of her mind because it was such a hypocritical, <laughs> hypocritical thing for Dorinda to do and say at the time. And I just, I won't let it go. Like, if she picks up her phone at the reunion and, like, she's sitting... I'm literally going to say something. Like, it's just... It bothered me so much then. And obviously bothered Luann, too, because she kept it. But, like, Ramona sitting at dinner next to Colin Cowie talking about Ramona... Talking... Ramona sitting next to Colin Cowie at dinner talking about Dorinda's anger issues. And Colin Cowie's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I know. I know. Also, I just... I saw this article this morning that I wanted to share because I think you would find it interesting. I read it as well. So, as we know, Dorinda has been fired from Housewives and... There's another article that we read earlier this week that we also need to talk about, which is about her apartment. Yes. But before we get there, uh, Page Six has an exclusive report that Dorinda Medley's turkey-baster trash talk was the last straw for Andy Cohen. Dorinda Medley's off-color quip about former Real Housewife castmate Tinsley using a kitchen tool to get pregnant didn't sit well with her Bravo boss, Andy Cohen, an insider told Page Six. The cruel comment, quote, offended the Watch What Happens Live host and executive producer so much that it factored into her firing last week, the source said. It was part of sealing her fate. So I'm not sure if this is totally true, but it sounds kind of true because we know Andy had a baby via surrogate. Mm -hmm. And so this is probably a comment he would find offensive. And Andy has like been working before quarantine. He worked with Governor Cuomo because like surrogacy in New York is not legal. Like fertility is like weirdly like a big part of like Andy's everyday life. And he's like a big advocate for it. And this was such a disgusting, low, below the belt comment for anyone to make, let alone someone with a platform. And I think probably Andy did not feel good that he had been the person to give her that platform. And I, I actually am glad that this was a part of the reason why she was firing. Because for me, it was the reason why I was down with her. Yeah, I totally, I totally hear that. But the other article that we were talking about is even more interesting because um, Dorinda lives, she moved, everyone knows she sold her apartment in the city and it was like this big transition for her. And she lives in this rental building um, that actually I looked for an apartment in and it's a fabulous building. And page six said that um, she has this kind of partnership with the with the building, whether she gets they, rent free or a discounted rent on, she gets um, the deal that they said that she gets is that she lives in the ten thousand dollar a month apartment for free and gets paid ten thousand dollars every month what? to live there. That's what page six reports. Well, so yeah, it never made sense because she lives in an apartment far nicer than the one that she moved from and it just it never made sense and she was always tagging her building which is like such a dangerous thing to do but then it made sense that it was this partnership and it's honestly a great partnership for them and for her but now that she's not on the show and I'm sure the show was an integral part of that deal filming there hosting events there um I I think it's fascinating and I'm curious what's gonna happen like is she gonna be evicted or something but I mean she's still kind of an influencer so if they're happy with the social media tags maybe 
they'll just like amend her deal. Also, it's worth noting that she didn't sell her original apartment. She puts it up for rent. Oh. So she could always move back there. Okay, that's good. So that is interesting. It is. It was interesting to watch last night's episode through the lens yes. of... Her being fired. Her being fired because it just made me, like, it, made, it, it, it sort of lightened my load. Like, I just felt like I could just enjoy her final scenes and move on. And make peace with it. And make peace with it. Um, all right, let's do Potomac. Great. This was such a good episode. It really was. We got to Monique's Lake House. It was everything I hoped it would be and more yes. because there was also a guest house. There were golf carts involved. It was sickening. There was a pickup truck. There was T'Challa. T'Challa. Uh, the whole gang was here. And you know what? I liked the vibe of the trip. I feel like everyone went. There's always two trips every season, a local and an international. Yes, yes. And I actually really like the local ones. I feel like they always come from a place. And I liked what... Um, Monique kept saying it's like I'm such a different person that I was last year and when I met most of these women like I feel like let's reintroduce ourselves I love that to the message and I love it for the Wendy inclusion that we've been saying needs to take place like we are finally all sitting down and getting to know Wendy and she just you know steamrolled her way way right in yeah at first I was like okay I understood how she was feeling even before she had to re-explain and and explain why she would be upset when she has a younger child at home that Ashley's child is there and hers isn't like that to me went without saying it's unfair and I do think unequivocally it is weird that Ashley brought her baby and, like, her best friend who's also her nanny. And I didn't like the scene where Michael, like, shamed her into taking – like, if yeah. they wanted – if she wanted to get away from the baby and Michael had to work, like, they have enough means to get a nanny. Like, it could be done. And honestly, I feel like part of Ashley, like, would have been okay to, like – she's saying how she needs to get back to who she is, get back to who she is, get back to who she is. So I feel like this trip could have been a good opportunity for her to do that. But, like, her husband fully shamed her and he's like, you're taking the baby. Yeah, that was weird. But I also think it, at the end of the day, just comes down to Ashley's tenure on this show. Like, she's knows Monique to know, like, that she could call her and be like, oh, I'm worried about bringing the baby. So Monique said, I'm worried about not being with my baby. So Monique said, bring the baby. But mm-hmm. Wendy just heard girls trip. She's new to this group. She's going on the girls trip. That just means leave your baby at home. Yeah. She never even thought. It never even occurred to her that, like, she could bring the baby. So I understand her showing up and being confused and sort of jealous, I but like I also the, see how that just happened. Yeah, no, no. I feel like, if anything, like, she should be mad at herself for just not asking. Yeah. And maybe even a little mad at Monique for not offering, but it is honestly not Ashley's problem that Wendy is in this situation. Yes, I totally agree. It just seems like an unfortunate coincidence. And for her to just, like, come out so hot and so fast, like, why is about Michael and this and that in the kitchen, it was reminding me of Candace's first season when she just got into fights with everyone mm-hmm. over nothing. Yeah, and then she, the thing is, is, like, I can understand her frustration, you know, she's away from her baby, she did all this prep, I mean, I see the prep that it takes for Olivia to go out for lunch, like, it's a lot, so to pump and get all these things in place for you leaving for three days, it's frustrating, and I totally am sympathetic, and I agree with her, but, and that's what everyone was saying, it's like, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, and she just wouldn't acknowledge even the smallest bit of wrongdoing, which is my least favorite quality in a housewife. It was very Candace-y, the whole thing. Yeah, it was, speaking of, Candace continues to just be on my shit list, (laughs) She's going further and further to a point where I refuse to discuss. No, now she's having a baby and getting a new house. Like, it's always I will something. not. I will no longer be discussing her personal scenes. Okay, fine. And I will discuss her involvement in the group a little bit. Mm-hmm. But she is on her way out for me. Like, I will be shocked, floored, 
if she finds a way to like come back from the season and beyond next season. The thing is, is that there's this like huge moment in the season, which we know I believe is a blow up between Candace and Monique. And Candace is very much a part of the storyline this season. So I, I, I don't think she'll be gone next season as much as I would love to imagine it into reality. It's just getting so much worse, as are the outfits. Like Oof. now I'm just in a place where I can't not notice. And it's really, I blame Beverly Hills. They are just making me take stock of everyone's outfits, Dorinda's pants, mm-hmm. like I'm just noticing everything, and the outfit that Candace wore for the dinner in Monique's lake house, like this Coachella flower crown, like if she had taken the headband off, I could have lived with it. Maybe like made peace, (laughs) made peace, yeah, made peace with the outfit. But like her talking to Giselle while Giselle is wearing like a leather skirt, she's going to a a punk nightclub. And this other girl's going to Coachella. And they're both at a lake house. So they're both wrong. The yeah. outfits were just like so, like on their own they're bad. Together they're worse. No, and when you put them in they the... make no sense. When you put them in the context of the house, it's like, what is going on here? Well, I'm glad that the outfits were slightly addressed when Karen Huger said that Giselle is the worst dressed and that sometimes she's embarrassed to be seen in public with her. Like that was a little bit of a stretch, but I agree. At least someone is taking note. In my opinion, I, I know you think Candace is the worst dressed. No, I don't. I think Giselle is. I think Giselle's the worst dressed, but I think that Candace, like... She, she sometimes she looks so cute. Like if she just taken that headband off, her outfit is cute. Fine. Like it's not it's my fine. it's not my favorite, but it's fine. But I just like I don't get it. None of them dressed for an evening at the lake. None of them no. dressed for an outdoor dinner. Wendy was wearing a snakeskin bodycon dress. Like that's just not what you wear to the lake. No, you wear a summer dress, or you could even wear jean shorts and a blouse or a t shirt. Like it's, it's a casual. Lake. It's, it's a, the backyard. Yeah, you guys keep saying you're in the woods. You're in the middle of nowhere. Why are you putting on? Um, statement earrings. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the whole episode was centered around this fight between Wendy and Ashley, and it started in the kitchen, and it really finished at dinner, and, like, honestly, I was sympathetic for Wendy. Like, I feel like she was just mad at the, in the beginning. She's, she's feeling misunderstood, and she's back into a corner, and she's coming out swinging, and I get it. But, but uh, by the second part of, of the dinner, like, she totally lost me. Yeah, she took it. It didn't need to become this big thing. Like, your first fight shouldn't be the biggest and the baddest. I agree, and at the same time, while she has a le- legitimate gripe at the circumstances, it's literally the last person whose fault it is is Ashley. Yeah. She's just jealous that Ashley now has a baby here and a nanny and like she didn't have to leave and she didn't have to pump. Like, and I get it. I totally get it. She's mad at the situation, but I don't think you could blame a particular person. And if you were to blame a particular person, it would not be Ashley. Yeah. Everyone just always comes for Ashley so hard and fast. And I feel like they think they underestimate her. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to be in a fight with Ashley. No, no, no. She I does think not she back down. Own. Oh, wait. She always holds her own. Yeah. I just want to say the car ride to the lake house. What's the best part? Monique, Giselle, and Karen. Like, those are squad goals. I don't think that we've ever seen the three of them no. isolated together. But, like, that's who I want to see. I agree. I think my, literally my favorite scene of the episode was them getting ready at the house. Chris helping them into the car. T'Challa taking a shit on the pickup truck. And then them all getting in the car and just sitting with T'Challa. It was my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, them, like, being in the pickup truck. Like, Giselle snacking in the back. Yeah. It was it was really nice to see. And I did actually laugh out loud at the slow-mo of T'Challa landing on Wendy. It oh my was God. so funny. It was so so funny it's actually like i mean i don't think i'd ever personally get a bird and i understand why the women are confused confused and and not into the bird but putting a bird on a real housewife's trip it's it's a recipe for success it adds an element of laughter and entertainment i totally that's never been done before and i appreciate it and the subtitles with t'challa which is usually something i would think is so stupid i actually find really funny yeah i can't wait till t'challa can start speaking and then he might repeat monique things that monique has said that's how you know a lot of movies people get into trouble i was a little miffed because last week's preview for this week made it seem like the Michael Stripper thing 
at least happened yeah. this week and it didn't and I felt like when it said to be continued at the end of the episode I was like I feel like we just started yeah I know and like next week the husbands will be coming like next week is definitely the good stuff but this week's episode was good because we got to get to know Wendy a little better mm-hmm. and while I wasn't necessarily on her side I think that she's a heavy hitter yeah and she fights like hard yeah she doesn't back down which which is good yeah some people are like funny and interesting but when it comes to a fight they can't hold their own and I felt like even though I disagreed with her like Wendy she had quick one-liners address me properly like she had good shtick in the fight which is a it, it's it, a good quality it's a, a necessary quality I actually really think all of the women of Potomac hold their own sometimes to a fault like Candace yes never gives up never, never gives down. in yeah. Karen Giselle Monique Ashley and I guess that's why none of them can move on from a fight because no one will ever back down I mean this this has become like a a trend through different housewives it's like especially when they're on vacation to like play a game yeah and this one i actually like the beginning getting to know more about the women like on a real level i thought the nose job comment from giselle was funny i really don't think she was trying to be shady i think she thought it was like common knowledge right because they will put the picture side by side and it doesn't take a surgeon to realize that she has had a nose job which is not a big deal no not a big deal at all and candace wasn't denying it but she also wasn't addressing it but it's like it's extremely clear that she had one just own it in a situation like that i understand plastic surgery is personal you don't have to talk about it but when it's so obvious like that it's it's really not a big deal it's not a big deal she could have just owned it it would have brought them all like closer closer. and i think a lot of women at that table have had plastic surgery and there's not a big deal at all and so i think that it's kind of old-fashioned to you know be so coy yeah we're so beyond that as as a society especially as real housewives especially as real housewives but all in all it was a good episode um yeah yeah i mean it just makes me excited for next week obviously i know but like the we've said that now like three weeks in a row yes i was excited for this week and it landed and it hit but like next week is the big week michael's at the strip club he has a wife and a boyfriend that scene with michael just really bothered me at home i know even though he was like being nice because she's she's spoken about how she's like in this weird place and she's feeling so insecure in her body and she's just trying to get back to herself and I actually thought Michael was being really sweet when he was just like complimenting her body and she was like so like humble yeah. like it was cute but then he just turned and he's like you're taking the baby right it was just like you take the baby yeah like, it bothered me I agree and he could have been like I take the baby don't worry have a girls weekend feel yourself yes. you know get back to yourself that's kind of what Ashley needed and that's what would have been nice she didn't need to be in a room with a bunk bed and a crib and a friend nanny. and it, the whole friend nanny thing i think is confusing because if it was her friend how weird to make your friend like this friend wasn't at dinner like she was in the room feeding the baby it's it's very weird michael could have stepped up to the plate yeah that was disappointing but all in all good episode yeah agreed all right let's jump into dear toasters our advice segment which is brought to you by stamps.com as we slowly adjust to the new normal we still need to be smart about how we do business luckily there's stamps.com to make things easier Thousands of small businesses, business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. They offer UPS services now with discounts up to 62%, and you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your comfort of your own home or office through your computer. Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out product, or just working from home and need to mail something, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. You can print Print off your computer, official U.S. postage, 24-7, for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a pickup, or drop it in the mailbox. It's truly that simple. Saves you time and money, and you get great discounts, too, like $0.05 off stamps. 
up to 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates. And right now, our listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TOAST. That's Stamps.com, enter TOAST. Love it. Love Stamps.com. Let's hear the DTs. The Dear Toasters today are fabulous. And if you ever want to write into our advice segment, Dear Toasters, all you have to do is email deartoasters at gmail.com. We always keep it anonymous and you can write in anything and you'll get some, some decent, decent, eclectic advice. Yeah. You'll get two girls discussing your problem, (laughs) realizing that you have an even bigger problem. Right. Maybe never coming to a resolution, but it's nice to not feel alone. Yeah. Hi, Claudia and Jackie. Love you both so much. Thank you. We love you, too. I'm in a weird situation. My boyfriend and I were set up by our mutual friend. We've been dating for a few months and have had zero issues, and we love each other. Recently, he told me that him and our mutual friend actually hooked up, made out, a few times a couple years before we started dating. For reference, they were freshmen and sophomores in college at the time. They hooked up and are now a couple months out of college. They had never mentioned this to me before, but I feel super weird about it. Like, they obviously are good friends and have moved on from that point in their lives but it still makes me feel weird and neither of them mentioned it to me which I feel like maybe they should have before we started dating it's making me really upset thinking about it even though I'm not worried that anything would happen between them again how do I handle this am I crazy how do I process this it makes me sick to my stomach thinking that if I had known this before we had dated then maybe it it would have turned me off to him thanks so much a distressed toaster I don't think you're a distressed toaster I honestly think you're a dramatic toaster it's like not a big deal it's like a little weird that they didn't tell you but like you have you're like you're at that stage in your relationship where, like, everything's going good and you're, like, looking for a problem. Maybe, but I don't know. This really could be one of two things. Like, they are friends. They hooked up a few times in college and it means literally absolutely nothing. Like, I'm sure everyone can think of a person yeah. that they've, like, made out with a few times that, like, they you would feel set nothing up, for. They, I feel nothing. I would set up with a friend. Oh, well, you know what? They're a great I, guy. I actually forgot that, like, yeah. we used to hook up. So totally. maybe that's a detail you, just, you need to know. Or... It's like they'll always have a thing for each other. But if, okay, let's say they always have a thing for each other. Do you go out of your way to set up someone who you like secretly have a thing for? No. 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 In fact, I, I would tell a friend. I would ambush it. Like, I, there's an embargo list. He's on it. You can't. And even if subconsciously, like, I didn't want to admit that I liked this guy. I wouldn't. I would never setting. go out of my way to set him up because I know in the back of my head I like him and I want to keep him as an option. So, like, let him be single yeah. forever. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to, if I'm. If I had to put my money on it, I think that it's it's a nothing thing. It's a nothing burger. Yeah. All right. Thanks, though. Good luck. Good luck. I hope it, I hope that that is the case, and I'm I'm happy for you and your relationship. And you, you know, know what? what? You know what you have to do, though, honestly, because there's no way to know. You know, you just have to trust. Believe. You have to trust your partner. That's what relationships are based on. So you know what? It might wind up biting in the ass. You might be wrong. He might have a candle for this girl still. Yeah. But you'll get nowhere if you don't trust. That's what relationships are built on. Yeah, and if it does end up being a betrayal of your trust, like you learn a lesson. Snatcher learning your lesson. I think that you're fine no and you know what if you don't trust then you'll always have this in the back of your mind relationship won't move forward you're always thinking this making yourself sick making yourself crazy you gotta just lean in fall in love fall in love that's why they call it falling oh good call um hey jackie and claudia first i want to say i love the show i've always have to hold in my laughter at work while listening oh my god thank you i'm gonna start by saying we're all 22 years old Okay. My friend Lily and I. Have Wait, been... I need to get. I need to get to twenty-two years old in my head. Just graduated college. Mm-hmm. Like 
good times. Let's Feeling roll. young and fun. Post-grad, working hard. We're working hard and we're playing hard. My friend Lily and I have been super close friends for two years. About six months ago, we started having little issues here and there. Like she would talk down to me, make me feel like I wasn't wanted. We have a huge group of friends, but I met most of them through her boyfriend. So she's closer to them. Recently, my other close friend and I, we'll call her Jane, have noticed a complete change on how Lily acts, dresses, and in the things that she likes to do. All are now exactly what her boyfriend's friends do and wear. Jane and I have texted about this on multiple occasions, about how she treats me, about how she's changing, and how she's pushed everyone out of her life from her pre-boyfriend days, besides me and Jane. Two weeks ago, Lily came on a trip with me and some of my family friends, and when we got back, she completely ghosted me, ignored my texts, and posted all of her social media about getting rid of negative people. I was confused and finally asked what the hell was going on. Apparently, one of the nights on the trip, she was playing music on my phone and decided to go through me and Jane's texts. Hmm. She read from December 2019 until now. I guess my overall thing is how the heck am I supposed to react to that? Of course, no one should have to read things about themselves, but at the same time, those messages were between two close friends and no one else. There were also many personal things in our messages about Jane's family, so part of me is really sorry for the things that she read, and the other part of me is angry for having my texts read like I'm 12 years old. Any advice would be amazing. Love you and thanks in advance. An annoyed and confused toaster. That's a terrible position. Yeah, that's a terrible position to be in. This is why I'm anti-Snoop. Yeah. Firmly anti-Snoop. And you know what? It's Honestly, she did you a favor because mm-hmm. even if she hadn't read your text and decided to dump you, like, this seems, she seems like a shitty friend to begin with and then also a follower and not her own person. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, what were you getting out of this friendship? She, you said she talked down to you and yeah. now it's like she doesn't even know who she is. She's just pretending to be someone that she's not. And she, you can't trust her. She goes through your phone. So, like, she thinks she's cutting out negative people. You should say, I cut you first. Yeah, no, no, no. You can't cut me if I cut you. Yeah, no, you she, were already cut. It sounds like she did you a big favor like you were over her and now she's has reason to be over you don't tell jane that she read the text messages of the personal stuff because that might upset jane i just think honestly everything happens for a reason and it sounds like you're in a good position now yeah and you know what jane sounds like a wonderful friend focus your energies on jane Agreed. like take stop the energy that you were giving to lily you cut her first remember that you that cut is, her first. that is key and channel your energies towards jane you're only 22 years old it's never too late to make new friends like no it's this never. is actually a great time like because you're in a transition period of being out of college like this is a time in your life when you do make friends and i think that you should focus your energies into new friendships and you're cutting out this negative energy you cut it out first yeah you cut her first and i think you know th- let the chips fall where where they they may may. sounds like she did you a big favor and you didn't have to have the uncomfortable conversation of course and not an ideal way for her to find things out but you know what you just got to move on sometimes it's like you're getting we're getting too old for this like just let it go yeah and you know what like I understand there sometimes there is a need to snoop. I understand like you can't trust your partner Mm -hmm. and you need to get to the truth but you never need to go through a friend's phone ever. I agree. There's nothing like you're gonna find out there that's gonna save your life like no I agree and no. it's someone who goes through your phone, like, actually, He's not to be trusted. If I had a friend who went through my phone, like, I would feel so betrayed. I would never speak to them again. Yeah, I ever. agree. Um, all right, final one. Hi, Claudia and Jackie. Came across your show almost two years ago, and I just have to say thank you, say thank you for keeping me sane and laughing every day. Oh my God, you're so welcome. I'm so glad that you found the show and that we can make you laugh. And it's just thank you for being part of the community. Like that's so beautiful. Okay, now onto the story. A few months ago, a few of us were at a bonfire at a friend's house, Sandy. Sandy owns this house with her boyfriend, Danny. Oh, the girl obviously made up names. It's Greece. Greece. Okay, that's okay, funny. Sandy and Danny have a beach house that they own together. They're boyfriend and girlfriend. How old are these people? I don't know. It says Sandy owns this house with her boyfriend, Danny. That's like so amazing. 
My stepsister, Rachel, was there too. After the get-together, Rachel confided in me about some inappropriate comments that Danny had made towards her at the bonfire when no one else was around. She didn't want me to cause drama or awkwardness with Sandy, so she just asked me not to say anything. Mind you, Rachel is also in a relationship, so this is weird all around. Mm. According to Rachel, ooh, Danny slapped her ass and said, I can keep a secret if you can. And at one point, she said he mouthed, oh my god, she said he mouthed the words, can I finger you, to her. What? Who asks that? Anyways, Danny can at times be a bit of a flirt, flirt, but it usually is harmless. I also know he was pretty drunk, so I'm not sure if he even remembers. I'm not sure what to do because Sandy is one of my best friends, but my stepsister asked me not to say anything. Do I approach Danny and tell him I'm aware of what he said and let him tell Sandy? Do I let this slide and watch out for future weird encounters? Help. That is so Sincerely, a conflicted toaster. Honestly, I would normally say stay out of it, but some of the things that he did are, like, predatory. Like... Yeah. Slapping someone's ass who didn't ask for it. Can I finger you? Like, that's not flirty. That's harassment. Yeah. I say get involved. You say tell Sandy? Because this isn't harmless. Like, this is, like, this is indicative of a, of a character trait in Danny that no, Sandy should not be with. Yeah, or that at least Sandy should be aware of. Yeah. So. But she doesn't have to say that it was Rachel. Yeah. Say the per- someone told me, and, like, I would never not tell you, but I don't want to break this person's trust, but, like, Danny did X. Rachel yeah. doesn't even need to be involved. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. You know, men are fucking disgusting. Disgusting. Like, who, by the way, to be so brazen and do it in the same house as your girlfriend, who you own a house with her, like, I could never. Yeah, no, it's fucking sick. Tell your friend. You just gotta prioritize good friendships, you know? Yeah, and this isn't harmless flirting. Like, it's borderline, like, really inappropriate harassment. And I'm sure if Sandy knew, like, this is the type of thing you actually break up with someone over. Yes. So I say Sandy's got to know, and maybe Sandy will find a nice guy at. Yeah, maybe she'll buy him out of her the beach house. She'll go for a walk on the beach, mm-hmm. and she'll find someone. He showed up splashing around. I like that. I don't. I don't know if that girl did it on purpose because Rachel is not a character in Greece. That's true. But if you're gonna write into us again, deartoasters at gmail dot com, feel free to have fun with your fictional characters. I don't know, maybe Rachel was like Rizzo's little sister. No, I don't think so. Because this girl's like Rizzo in this story. Yeah, but oh my god, is this a fake story? <laughs> no. no, no, no. But if you are gonna write in, like, give me, you know, Katie, Regina, and Aaron. You know, yeah, and, and Katie. So again, that's deartoasters at gmail dot com. If you ever want to write in, thank you guys who did write in, and thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we got two more before we're back in studio. Yes. So if there's not enough content on this episode for you, you can head over to patreon.com slash the morning toast which is our subscription service if you want to pay seven dollars and 99 cents a month you can get access to five extra podcasts and vlog episodes every month and then once you sign up you actually get access to the whole catalog of all the episodes we've ever done which is like over 200 because we've been doing patreon for well over a year well um, over two years well over two years and then that 7.99 also gets you access to the members only facebook group the toast after dark which is a place for pop culture fanatics toast fanatics to talk commiserate chat all the things all the things we have some great episodes planned for september while we're still on vacation and it will just be a great month to be a patron as it always is so So that's patreon.com slash the morning toast have an amazing week everyone we hope you find yourself we hope you find your inner peace search for inner peace if you're having a hard time finding it check out the redheads new episode drops tomorrow we read the bright side which so many people loved a lot of people didn't it's gonna make (laughs) for a lively conversation y'all and if you're needing even more all of our tnn shows are 
churning, churning out new churning. content. Margaret Josephs has a ton of new video and podcast episodes available. Lauren Elizabeth has some fire content being put out. Raven and Alexis on Girls Night, they sat down with Nick Vile. And their, um, last night, their Greatest of All Time yes. episode was on. So I think they're going to do an episode recapping their time on The Bachelor. That's just, you know, killing it. And make sure to check it out. Support all the TNN shows. Thank you guys so much. We love you and we hope you have an amazing week. Bye. Bye.